Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm very excited that you decided to tune in to this jam-packed episode that we have for you this week. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, are you prepared to join me in Indy next week as we get to embark on our first ever credentialed journey together after all these years? Yeah, I cannot wait. It's uh, something that I know we've been looking forward to, having the opportunity to do that, and now that it's here, I've I've just been counting down the days until we're in Indy, and yeah, I'm really excited, Will. How many days? What is it? I'll be there on Monday night, so it's just Friday, Saturday, so what, four days I'll be there? I'll be at your house. You're going to pick me up, right? Yeah, airport. That's what I usually do. I'm an Uber driver, so don't worry about it. I charge uh, <laughs> no fee as well. But I'm very excited to have you down here in town. I know you're already getting some connections set up, up between us and some of the you know the guys on the beat. Uh, so I'm very excited to kind of rub some elbows with them uh, over this next week. But we still have a show to do in the meantime, and we have a lot to kind of talk about. And here's a run day of the show, a rundown of the show. That way, you know exactly what to expect. Uh, we're going to kick things off by talking about the new Bears tight end that they just signed on Wednesday. Then we're going to kind of wrap up the Save the Franchise 2020 with a brief discussion on Bears special teams. We'll then discuss our thoughts on that new CBA, the refreshed playoff picture, and on top of that, uh, some 2021 plans are in the works here for the NFL. We'll then talk about what we're looking forward to at this combine, which again, first time ever being credentialed for an NFL event, so very excited about this opportunity. And we'll wrap up the show by answering a round of fan questions. And right before we went live, I talked Nick out of talking about the XFL because that was a talking point he wanted to keep. But I'm glad we were able to kind of nix that one off to the side, Nick. But outside of that, are you ready to kind of tackle everything we have in front of us? Absolutely. We have a good rundown, and I proposed another topic to talk about, but won't even get into that topic. Maybe maybe I'll find a way to plug it in here at some point. Okay. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. You're putting me in, a, <laughs> you're putting me in an awkward spot, but you're really not. But let's go ahead and go ahead and look at uh, our first item up for bid, and that's going to be that Bears new tight end. Well, I guess he just was purchased, so maybe not up for bid any longer. Uh, the Bears signed Demetrius Harris, who played for the Cleveland Browns last season. His 15 catches for 149 yards and three touchdowns last season is more than any other tight, uh, tight end that the Bears had on the roster a year ago. Those aren't any earth-shattering numbers, but it's still better. 
Now, which is saying something for the Bears, let's be honest. Harris, he's known for his blocking ability more so than being a receiver. Uh, he fits the mold of the Y tight end in Nagy's offense. He does have experience at the U, but primarily he's the Y guy. And speaking of Nagy, Harris was a part of the Chiefs from 2014 to 2018, so the two have spent some time working together. Harris knows the system, so that's a bonus. Now, I want to kind of preface this by saying the Bears still have plenty to work to do at the tight end position, but this does seem to be a modest start. Harris, he's light years ahead of Adam Shaheen, so at least we're trending up. Nick, I want to know your thoughts on the signing. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a upgrade over Adam Shaheen just because of availability, but really this shouldn't deter the Bears from making any more, I would say, splash moves at the tight end position because a guy like Demetrius Harris, it's it's a reason why he got let go at the time that he did. With the Browns only having the stats they did last year, like you mentioned, Will, it's not necessarily a good stat line. It's just better with, than all the Bears tight ends, which isn't saying much. But this isn't the last move that the Bears will make at tight end. And also, I know he has a history and is more suited to play the wide position, but he's really not that big of a player. When he's six foot seven, two hundred thirty pounds, he's actually the second. Right now, he would be the second lightest tight end on the Bears roster. Everyone knows that. Dario Clark is the lightest on on this Bears roster. Like, who the hell is that guy? But uh, he's listed at six foot two, two twenty. But you look at the wide position; you expect someone a little bit bigger. He's got the frame, just doesn't have the size to build to actually uh, be able to move people. But we'll we'll see how that plays out with the Bears. There's not even a guarantee that he's going to be on this team come once the regular season starts. But the Bears did make a move; they obviously needed to. But it's not the last one the Bears will make. No, definitely plenty more to come. I know Harris, uh, he didn't play football in college. He was a basketball player at Wisconsin-Milwaukee, which is interesting because the other tight end that the Bears signed to that reserve future contract like in January, the Clark guy, he also was uh, just played college basketball. He played it at USC, so the Bears are going to the basketball route right now with some early additions at the tight end position. Still, like you said, unsure if Clark will make this roster for sure. Uh, we'll see if Harris can as well. I know that he was cut from the Browns, and it has a lot of people, you know, well, that was the Browns. The Browns don't want him. He can't be any good. And I get that. I mean, that's usually what happens there over in Cleveland. But I know that during his contract, this year he was supposed to get a lot more money than he has in years past. And it's just one of those cap casualties where they're like, well, he can't pay you, uh, I forget the exact number, but it was a decent chunk of change to be a two or a three tight end. So he's coming to Chicago with a much more reasonable contract. So it should be a pretty good value move for the Bears as well. But Nick, if you use his 2019 numbers, 15 catches, 149 yards, three touchdowns, it's only February, so we may as well speculate now. Is he going to get over or under those numbers in 2020 as a Chicago Bear? I know I'm putting a lot out there, but it's February, so why the hell not? Um, I'm going to say he's not going to get over those numbers, to be completely honest. You expect the Bears to bring in some other guys. Hopefully Trey Burton is actually available for this upcoming season. But if he's more, if he's brought here to be that wide tight end, he's just not going to get as much opportunities. It's someone that's more of that true you tight end. Right. So, and like I said earlier, I don't know if he's guaranteed to make this roster. So the three touchdowns, he's definitely not going to exceed. Maybe he gets, maybe he gets to 20 receptions if he does end up making this team, but I'm not expecting anything big out of this signing. I know a lot of Bears fans were maybe excited for the possibility of having a new tight end in this room, but yeah, I'm going to keep my expectations low. 
All right. Expectations are low for Nick. I think they should be moderately low for everyone listening back at home as well. Any final thoughts on this signing? I don't. we don't need to spend a whole lot of time breaking this thing down, but any final thoughts or do you want to give it a letter grade if you want to be all official? Uh, I won't give it a letter grade, but I'm just curious to see how Clancy Barone, the new tight ends coach, what he can do with a guy like this. Again, he has that size, has that basketball background, is obviously an athletic guy. Let's see what he can mold him into. And if we walk into him and you know run across him this week coming up in Indianapolis, it'd be a good question to ask him, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to hashtag Bears special teams to complete the state of the franchise. I want to begin by just looking at the current roster overall. And I'm curious, Nick, I, there's obviously you need core special teamers. Is there anyone on this team that you can see being a quote core special teamer next season? Because obviously Sheriff McManus is up for a contract. Same with DeAndre Houston Carson. I believe both you and I passed on these guys during the state of the defense. So we have some small but important shoes to fill. Is there anyone on this roster right now you think can uh, fill that role? Yeah, so two guys that I know can fill this role on special teams are Joel E.A. Buniwe, because that's really all he's shown so far since Ryan Pace drafted him in the fourth round in 2018 to where he can actually get on the field and make impact plays. I think he had the most special teams tackles last season. So good stepping stone for him to get an opportunity. And also Duke Shelley, who a lot of people thought was going to take over Buster screen spot. Obviously that never happened, but those are two guys that I see young. that are still trying to figure out how to actually get on defense in the NFL, but they first have to contribute on special teams. So those are two guys that I can definitely see being labeled as core special teamers. Let's move on to the return game. Obviously, the Bears have one of the best kick returners in the game in Cordero Patterson. Tariq Cohen, as a punt returner, has been beyond inconsistent, and it feels like there's been more bad out Tariq in that regard than good lately. So is there someone on this roster that you currently like to see get more involved in the return game, or is this an area that you think needs to be addressed in free agency or the draft, or do you just coach up Cohen? If you're looking at the blueprint for you know more than likely the punt return game here, how would you attack it this offseason? You know, with kick returner, I would say Cordero Patterson, obviously that's his spot to take. When you're making $5 million per year and you're primarily playing on special teams, you want to have your best guy back there, kick returner. Tariq Cohen, it's an interesting um, dynamic with him because he has produced at the position. It's just like you said, he's just very inconsistent when he's at the punt returner spot. I don't know if there's anyone currently on this roster right now that you want to put back there, but I think the Bears can definitely bring in somebody that just is dynamic at the position. Not, And I'm not saying that they're just going to take Tariq Cohen's spot. It's kind of hard to replace a guy that led – he was second in the league in return yards with 302. It was ninth in the league in average return yards with 9.2. So he's produced. It's just like you said. There's just so many inconsistencies. Is he going to make the right fair catch call? Is he going to drop the ball? Is he going to go more east to west? But I think that the Bears will probably draft somebody who has some speed. And like we were talking about uh, in the offs- or the the offense episode a couple weeks ago or a week ago, that we want to see some speed. I would think that guy, not going to be maybe a pri- primary producer on the offense, can also be a special teamer. That's who I would think maybe could be a contributor and just maybe give Cohen a run for his money. I've seen a couple of comments here. One came from Kane on Periscope, and a, b- a couple were along the same lines. What about a Patterson at punt returner? Is that a viable option? I don't, I don't know if he's ever done it before, but with Cordero Patterson, it's, he was he wanted to play tight end earlier in the season, so it wouldn't 
I guess, surprise me if he were to go up to Coach Nagy and say, hey, just put me back there. I'll, I'll make a play. So he's a guy that could do a lot of things for, for a football team. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't close the door on that. I mean, might as well get your playmakers the ball every opportunity that you can. Yeah, exactly. And he has the speed. We know that. And I think more importantly, he has that situational awareness, the football IQ to be a very uh, effective returner. I mean, we already know he can do it as a kick returner, so why not a punt returner as well? We already see him on coverage units. I mean, he could be a you know core special teamers across the board uh, for Cordero Patterson. So yeah, definitely, I do think uh, trying to find a plan B uh, off of Tariq Cohen at the punt return game is definitely it's a need. It's probably not the most pressing or major need, but it is one that the Bears should definitely be looking at uh, a little bit more this offseason. Now, speaking yeah, of absolutely. Oh, oh you go. Um, so, so yeah, no. Well, someone in the comment put, "Does Hester have any kids?" And uh, he he does. I've seen I've seen his kid play actually live, just like his dad. Just like he's only like six years old, though, so you might have to wait a couple of years before you can get him in a Bears uniform. What are you talking about? Give him a call now. He can just skip all of it. <laughs> Just throw him in a jersey. Yeah. We'll be good. Run that way. Learn from dad. Life will be good. Life will be good. All right. Well, let's look at punter because after back-to-back off seasons where he signed consecutive one-year deals, punter Patrick O'Donnell signed a two-year deal back in 2019. So for the first time in a while, he's actually under contract at this point of the off season. Now, I don't think we need to go into super great depth here. Uh, let's not underestimate the importance of this position, though. O'Donnell, he ranked 20th in the league in net average at 41.2. I think we can place some blame at the coverage units here as well. He only had 32% of his kicks down inside the 20. And if we're looking at the blame game still, look at the offense not moving that ball downfield. He had plenty of long punts to kind of work with. Um, but I believe that 32% of kicks down inside the 20 ranks 30th in the NFL. And when I was looking into some of these stats, I thought it would be interesting. And if someone would come up with the stat or keep track of, uh, like average yard line of punt, that would be really interesting to know. So you know where the punter is more likely or his average is of where he's punting that ball from so it can put these stats into some uh, deeper context. Maybe that's just me. Uh, but just something I thought about earlier while I was prepping for the show. But anyway, Nick, getting off topic, Patrick O'Donnell, uh, assess his 2019 and what do you expect from him in 2020? Yeah, I would say with a team that was very inconsistent overall, he was someone that, you know, unfortunately they had to rely on him a lot. And I think he did, for the most part, his job. And having that contract kind of solidifies that. So I'm perfectly fine with Pat, uh, with O'Donnell being the the punter in 2020 and beyond. Again, he's been consistent. And like you said, it would be an interesting idea for someone to just accumulate those stats because Patrick O'Donnell was usually punting on his side of the field, trying to pin the other team, you know, as deep as he could. But when your offense does is, you know, consistently going three and out, it's kind of hard to do that when you're inside your own territory. Yeah, the uh, even on top of that, though, I know he had some long fields, but just his average yard per punt was only 44.4, which ranked 26th in the NFL. So for a guy that's known to be mega punt, I find that 44.4 still to be lacking. Uh, I know he had, a, he had a couple shanks this year and some key moments. Uh, you can't put the block primarily on him. Uh, it's the first time he ever had that happen in his career as well. Obviously, special teams and the rest of his team, there's a lot to kind of clean up and refine for 2020. But I think if you're just looking at... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. 
Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. O'Donnell, the punter, what you see is what you get. He's an average punter in this league, which is the large, it's not a large margin between the best and the average and then the bottom. They're all kind of very close to one another, but he's an average. He's not the one of the best in the league. He's not one of the worst. Um, and I think that's okay at this position, right? At least right now. I think there's other pressing needs. Yeah, I would say so. All right. Moving on to kicker. And this is the final thing we need to talk about for the state of the franchise. So I think we're ending off uh, on the right foot. But it's time to talk about Eddie Pinero. He had a very up and down season, uh, starting with the week two game winner in Denver to missing the game winner against the Chargers uh, to that midseason slump where I think he had a stretch where he missed, I want to say, four of seven. And then he hit his final 11 attempts on the season. He finished the year uh, 82.1% of his kicks made, which was 20th in the league. Nick, obviously the Bears went above and beyond last year to, quote, fix the position. So my question for you, is the position fixed at least for 2020? I mean, we all know Panero needs to become more consistent. What's your confidence level that he can actually do so, uh, given a full offseason under contract and maybe you know, knowing that there's a franchise and organization kind of backing him? You know, it's interesting how you phrase that. Is it fixed, the position kicker? I would say for the 2020 season, it is. I do expect the Bears to bring in competition, but ultimately, Pinheiro will be the one kicking for the Bears in 2020. Now, to say that it's fixed, I don't know. Because, like you said, there was a you know, time in the 2019 season, a little spurt that Eddie Pinheiro had, where you just couldn't rely on him. When he's going up to kick those field goals, it just wasn't – you didn't feel confident. He was – when it went from the 40 to 49 yard range, he was three of seven. So that's where obviously he needs to improve his game. But then, like you said, at the end of the season, he kind of finished off strong. I do expect him to be the kicker. I do expect the bears to bring in competition, but I do ultimately expect Eddie Pinero to win it out and be the kicker in 2020. Wow. So you actually expect another kicker in camp perhaps. Yeah. So I expect him to bring another kicker in camp and probably through the preseason. But I mean, I think when it all comes down to it, Eddie Pinero will be the kicker. All right. Yeah, I think so too. I I liked how he ended off the season. We talked about it, I think a little bit in the award show or the season wrap up episode where, you know, we're losing games towards the end. Uh, you, you lose to green Bay playoff hopes out the window and you're not really focusing on the kicking position anymore at that point. And you kind of overlook the fact that he did end that season strong. And, you know, sometimes, and it's a lot of confidence, especially this position, if you can end off a season strong, put together a really good off season on top of it and kind of stack some good things together, you can turn things around here and be that consistent kicker that we need. And obviously when he's ranking still, I think I said 20th in the NFL, if he can get into the top 12 in terms of accuracy, as a field goal kicker, I think we would call that a win, at least compared to where we've been over the past few seasons. Is that a good benchmark that you'd like to see him achieve for, or are you looking for a top 10, top five type of guy? Well, you would always like to, you always want the best. Yes. Um, that's a good start. That's definitely a good start just because of what we've seen over the past couple of years now with how bears kickers have performed. But I think with Eddie Pinheiro, if he wants to have some longevity, and consistency just in Chicago, he needs to aim for what the, the highest mark that he can possibly have. And he was also dealing with some injuries throughout the 2019 season. So he went through that. Obviously, all the and all the attention, 
Like even when we were in Bourbon A, there was so much tension and focus when these kickers were kicking. Maybe this year it's a little bit more relaxed. You Like you said, maybe he does have a little bit more confidence. Like he's still on the team. You should feel good about that at this point in his career. But yeah, maybe that all translates to a more efficient and more effective 2020 season. I guess we should also uh, remember, and again, there's a lot of information and sometimes it's hard to keep it all collected, but he didn't get hurt early on in the year uh, with that pinched nerve in his knee, and he had to work through that. So obviously health is another concern because he's had a few injuries now, um, but also if he can stay healthy, then I do envision him uh, having an uptick um, in his numbers in the upcoming 2020 season. But So as of right now, Nick, you're going to go on record and say Paniro's your guy for 2020? He's my guy. All right, I had to give you. I have to give you the chance to uh, make sure it's official, it's verified. Anything is he else? your guy? I don't know if you can improve upon it, so I think by default, yes. <laughs> okay. No, I haven't. Just, I, just was curious. No, it's it's a good question, and I appreciate you asking because I don't I don't have the most confidence in him, and injury, especially with his history of injuries, I think that's what weighs on me right now the most because. You know, kicking is supposed to be one of those positions where you don't really get injured all too often, and he's tended to have a couple now. So we'll see how I feel after this offseason. I don't think the Bears are looking for really anyone else. I think they want him. I think they want him to be the guy. So I hope it all works out. I mean, we need a kicker. We need consistency at the position, uh, and I think we've had everything but that over the last few seasons. But uh, this is probably our best opportunity to at least achieve some for back-to-back years. And who knows, maybe he knocks next year out of the park and he gets an extension and we're sitting here talking about how great he was and how, you know, patience paid off here for the Bears kicking position. Maybe. Maybe. Anything else on the state of the franchise? We did defense a couple weeks back, offense last week, special teams. Uh, Anything else you want to mention? I know we didn't talk about coverage units all too often. We know that, I think we all agree those just need to be cleaned up, but we can't point at specific players in this regard. We don't even know who's going to fill in the back end of this roster. It's just an area that Coach Tabor needs to really clean up as well. But anything else in terms of uh, the state of the franchise? Obviously, lots of work to be done to kind of recalibrate this team. Yeah, and I mean, I think we did a good job of kind of going over the the key positions for for each phase there. But once the roster gets to start to fill out, and obviously we have a lot of time before before that happens, we could see just how everything actually looks on this team. But I have nothing else there, Will. All right. So just like that, the state of the franchise for 2020 is officially behind us. So let's go ahead and look at the future because the league appeared or they did approve uh, some changes coming with the new CBA agreement. Uh, there's going to be a new playoff structure for the 2020 season. And then starting in 2021, the, the regular season's jumping to 17 games, which is going to be very, it's new. It's interesting. A lot of this is exciting. And I, I'm excited to kind of get our thoughts here on the table because he's literally what got approved two hours ago. About, yeah. I've been cooking dinner, finishing up work, and I'm like going through my head I'm like, so how do I feel about this? So let's break it down piece by piece and kind of discuss. Uh, starting with the playoffs, the field's going to be jumping from 12 teams up to 14. There's going to be an additional wildcard team, and now only the first seed will get the bye into the divisional round. That means there's going to be three wildcard games per conference instead of two, so six total games on wildcard weekend. Nick, with how routine the NFL playoffs have become, uh, is it kind of refreshing to see a change to kind of kick off this new decade? What's your thoughts on the new playoff structure? 
Yeah, so it is interesting. Obviously, gives a lot or gives two more opportunities for for teams to kind of get into the playoffs. Yeah, like you said, we haven't seen anything change to this playoff structure when they expanded to twelve teams. That was back in nineteen ninety. I wasn't born yet, so I mean, it's nice to see that there is a change. Um, it it the only thing with this is that now you're letting more mediocre teams into the playoffs. Like the team that would have made it last year, the two teams would have been the Rams and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think the Pittsburgh Steelers were on their third quarterback at that point. Uh, Hodges, I think was his last name. Blanking on the name, but that's, that's like the backlash. You're letting teams that you know, shouldn't be in the playoffs. Probably are not going to go anywhere. Now they're in it. Um, And this is a stat from Roger Sherman's article from the ringer. It's since, uh, 1990 since they expanded 12 teams there have been 58 number six seats okay and s- only six have made the conference championship game including the titans last season or in 2019 so these lower seeds have you consistently been knocked out but it's always fun because now there's more there's more playoff football i can't complain with that that's like the one downside to this structure L- you know lesser teams are getting in but it's another game of playoff football. Who can complain about that? Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, the NFL's not. The teams are not. They're going to all make a lot more money from these games. Uh, and also with the cutting of, in 2021, uh, of a preseason game, replacing it with a regular season. I mean, they're going to be rolling in the dough there. So that's exciting for the league. But in terms of this playoff uh, structure specifically, I mean, I think it makes it more enticing a little bit. Because you said it, six seeds historically haven't done much but wait until the first seven seed wins the super bowl and that's gonna be such an amazing mm-hmm. story it doesn't who knows it can happen this season it could happen down the road but it's gonna happen eventually and it'd be really cool to kind of see that story and we all know how the margin is so tight in the nfl so even though in the playoffs it goes up a notch and i do think the best teams kind of separate themselves from the bottom tier there's always an opportunity and I mean, you see that, I mean, we're almost in March, so March madness. You always see those Cinderella stories and the NFL may get a couple more opportunities for that each season. And more importantly, and what I'm excited for now is it makes getting that number one seed so much more important. So instead of teams that are locked into the one or two, just kind of coasting at the end of the year, they have something to play for in week 16, week 17, week 18. Um, it's going to be interesting to <laughs> talk about that. Uh, in another year, but it does make getting that number one seed so much more important. And I think that's going to really change how teams approach the back half of the season, the last quarter of the year. Uh, Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's an interesting dynamic because there's a lot of teams when it comes to December to where, hey, we're going to rest our starters now because we already locked up, you know, what could be the number one or a bye week. Right. But now that there's only one per conference, you want you're expecting that teams are now going to be they have to just again, play their starters for the rest of the season to get that much needed uh, rest at the end of the season. Obviously, I think what would also happen, there'd be another bye week implemented into the schedule because I think that's just, again, if you're taking away a preseason game, adding another game, I'm thinking that's how it will possibly shape up. But I would think that that one, it impacts obviously the NFL. It impacts like little things like fantasy football. Now you can actually play guys throughout the longevity of a season. So it's a lot of little things that will be impacted by you know this new change here maybe the rosters even get bigger because you're adding another game so lots of little things and i think the players still need to 
vote on this. And I know Alan Robinson actually uh, voiced his opinion on Twitter saying that, you know, he wasn't a fan. So I'm I want I'm interested to see how the players are going to react to this new CBA proposal. Yeah, it does seem at least the NFL is making it seem like it's very close. Like both sides are very close to coming to an agreement on both of these kind of major items. I'm sure they have some, you know, things they'll have to move back and forth. I think out of the two, of course, you're looking at the playoffs. That's going to be one. I think everyone's going to love another opportunity or an easier opportunity to kind of get into the dance. Uh, And like you said, I think there's going to be some details that need to be ironed out with that 17 game season. But by and large, I, I, it just seems like it's the way that it's been going for a few years now, and it's now's the time to make a change uh, in this league. So it, I think it's going to happen. But, again, we'll see. And when it's official and it comes 2021, we can talk about it. It's not going to affect us this year, but it is interesting to kind of see the future blueprint of where the NFL is wanting to kind of take this thing. And in terms of the 17 games, again, I like it in theory. Uh, obviously, the preseason being getting, be getting cut down is going to help kind of jumpstart the kickoff of the year. It's going to help it happen a little quicker. It's going to be a little less of that lull period, especially after that third preseason game. I Sometimes I swear it feels like an entire year's passed between that third preseason game and the, by the time week one kicks around. But what's going to be interesting to me is what do you do with like items of players breaking season records and such after the fact? Like, do you start putting a little asterisk up there? Like, is it like a 17 game season only? Because it's going to be easier for some of these guys to break not just NFL records, but like team records for you know rushing yards in a season or receptions in a year because you have an extra opportunity to do so. So that's what I'm kind of trying to figure out in my own head. Like, well, do you accept someone if they break like the all time uh, you know passing touchdowns in a season? Or do you just have it like totally different from like, you know, Mahomes and Manning and Brady back in like their era of the 16 game? Or and do you separate them or do you just count them? I think you have to find a way to like differentiate between the two, right? You know what? I, I don't think that will actually be like much of a problem because it's not like the the NFL season was always 16 games. It was, you know, shorter than that over the course of time. So and there's never like an asterisk put on records that have consistently been broken over time. Records are meant to be broken. So I think, it you know, maybe Patrick Mahomes breaks his own record or whatever may happen now that there's more games and more opportunities. So. I don't think that will be much of an issue. What I do think will be interesting how they play it out. If there is one more game, obviously there's eight home, eight eight away games, and oh, uh, Hogan yeah. Johns, yeah, Hogan Johns brought this up on their podcast today. Who? How do you determine who gets one extra home game or one extra away game? What? Yeah, what goes into that? I guess would be the whole dynamics and whole kind of like they got to figure this out because obviously you can't consistently give one team an extra home game that's a disadvantage so maybe they do it this year you know these certain teams get home games next year it's now these other teams so you keep it fair but that's something that is also interesting to think about yeah no that's like you alternate it like you just one year you just say you know what these 16 are gonna have the home and then every year you just flip-flop like do you just break it down the middle do you give some incentive in there yeah does a robot know you like a neighbor Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
And that's going to be a nightmare for whoever's in charge of creating that schedule. <laughs> they better get paid a lot of money to figure that one out. Uh, anything else on the new CBA that you wanted to kind of express right now? No, I mean, I think it's something fresh. We've Again, we've always been a customer since 1990. It's been that same playoff uh, you know, kind of format. Bringing this into the fold, again, allows another team to get an opportunity. And I think that's, you know, you're always looking for changes. And I know there's nothing technically wrong with the NFL game. I obviously, officially, there's a lot of little things that you can definitely talk about. But it's nice to have a little bit of change to get a new flair, new perspective on things. And this, if the players agree, looks like it's going to happen. It'll be a nice new wrinkle to the NFL season. Yeah, no, I think it really will be. It's interesting to kind of see how it all play out. I, I know I kind of forced your hand a little bit, or maybe just a smidge, uh, to kind of get out the XFL talk. But do you think with some of the changes that league's making or have made, the NFL's like, you know, like shoot, we need to adapt or make you know things a little bit more interesting. Not that they're thinking they're going to lose all their fan base or their fan base, but like they want to be relevant still, you know, in five, ten years. You know, it's nice to when you see someone else is doing something, doing something a little different to try to make your own changes. Not that the XFL, I think, influenced the NFL because obviously the it's NFL remained king. For a while. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was bound to happen at some point. The kickoff rule, though, I think that's an interesting one in itself. But yeah, I think that, again, it's always nice for a little bit of change every once in a while. I see a question here from Cliff, and he said, well, what about if the Super Bowl winner's conference gets the extra home game like the year prior? And that's interesting, but that means every game would have to be AFC versus NFC, so it would be an outer conference game, so that would be difficult to kind of manage as well. And like, hmm. when do you do it? Like, Do you do it at the end of the year? Because usually they save those for divisional games. So in, maybe it's like the top two in the division are home the following year. So like, say Bears are on top, of course, and then let's just say Minnesota second, just the lesser of three evils there. They would have the home games in 20 the next season, and then the Lions and the Packers would be the away teams because they like to end them on those divisional notes. So maybe that's the way they can go about it. Yeah, that could be a possibility. Or, like, what is the extra game, actually? Who are they playing? Like, what determines that? Because you play a different conference and uh, how your schedule goes, it determines, like, who you played. Like, what's that one extra team? Where is that? Who's that opponent going to be? So lots of questions that need to be answered. Obviously, it's not being implemented this upcoming season, but it is interesting to just speculate and talk about. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it is. I mean, I'm just going through my head here, and if it was up to me, I would try to make it one more. I mean, Cliff said it, you know, not that the one game would be the one home or one away, but if it was like an interconference game where it was an NFC team versus an AFC team, because we don't only get – four of those a year right now, make that five. That'd mm-hmm. be interesting because obviously you want more of those types of opportunities because whenever you can see two teams that don't play each other all too often, maybe just a little bit more, I think that helps kind of connect other teams in this league. So maybe that's the way it'll be going, but it's interesting to kind of split it up each way. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So up next, we're going to kind of talk about what we're looking forward to at the combine with a brief preview i'm going to use their term preview loosely if you're looking for real positional breakdowns of players to watch head over to our blog uh one of our writers uh, steve letizia he's been on the show plenty of times as well uh, he's been cranking out a positional preview series we have wide receiver offensive line and tight end out currently and if you're listening to the podcast and it is friday morning or later uh he has edge written and submitted nick and i need to edit and get that thing published as well. So you'll have another position to kind of read about as well. But we'll talk about the combine here in just a moment. But first, Nick, 
I guess we should talk about Derek Carr and Instagram. I guess that's newsworthy here at the tail end of February. Yeah, it's uh, the NFL offseason, the cryptic Instagram post from Derek Carr. Um, even if you look at the posts right before that, I'm, I'm like all into this now. I brought it up in class today. Um, you look at the the post that Derek Carr has pre prior to that Cleo Mack one, it looks like Carr is just kind of waving goodbye to all the Raiders fans there. But it is interesting to talk about because I really didn't even dive into Derek Carr being a possibility. Not that I didn't think he was was or was not going to be a guy that the Bears may target, but this news just kind of made me think about it. Um, if the Bears were to trade, just kind of put this scenario out there, um, it would cost $18.9 million, just what his contract still currently has, but there would be nothing else guaranteed after that in 2020. So the Bears, if hypothetically they were to trade for Carr, or you know, acquire him, that's what it would cost, and there would be nothing guaranteed after that. But Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic made a really good point saying that most likely, if this were to happen, the Bears would like to probably acquire Derek Carr as a free agent because he wouldn't need to give up some compensation. Because if you were to trade for Carr, you're actually going to give up some picks, right? But if the Raiders were to sign Brady, which is like the big thing that's the connection there – the Raiders wouldn't have any leverage because you know Derek Carr has to leave and you could possibly just sign him for money as opposed to giving up a draft pick and you know making that trade happen. So it's an interesting dynamic. Um, and you know what? I've kind of just over the, you know, just the course of the day, I've been opening up to the possibility of Derek Carr being being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. It'd be interesting, but that's something you can't probably, you wouldn't know during free agency or the draft, more likely, if they're playing this long game, depending on how long Brady would drag that thing out. And honestly, knowing the Patriots and like the Josh McDaniel stories, like, are they just yanking chains just to see if they can shake up the entire NFL just for him to go back to New England? I wouldn't be surprised if they actually ended up doing that. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But these, these talks are happening right now, Will. So they just can't announce anything until March 18th. So it's interesting that we get the post. And then I think Benjamin Albright uh, also tweets out that the Bears are quietly looking to acquire a new quarterback. And if Derek Carr is on the market, they would be open to that. So it's interesting how all this information kind of comes out today. And it's a, it's Instagram posts, okay? Like, there's plenty of players that just like to troll people and, you know, they delete stuff off their, their social media accounts and they're on the same team. I think, what, Jordan Howard did that in 2018. I was going to say, this reminds me a lot of the Jordan Howard situation when he scrubbed his social media and was like, everything Bears-related is gone. Yeah, and then the Miami Dolphins, like, trade rumors are going around. Jordan Howard is on the team for the 2018 season. So this could all be smoke. There's nothing there, no validation to it. Or it could be the start of something. You just never know. But it's the NFL offseason. It's all for to speculate, talk about the what ifs, the, you know, all these scenarios that probably won't happen. But you just never know. All right. So the one question would be, and it's a big one. If Derek Carr is your quarterback in, of the Chicago Bears in 2020, you fine with that? You feeling confident with him? I mean, he's, top, he's like a what top 14 quarterback. He's no one, you know, he's not a top five guy, but he's definitely not a bottom half of the league type of guy. So you're getting 
you know, a decent guy, depending on how much money you would have to kind of shell out and if the Bears can figure out how to make it work. Again, a lot of variables that we don't need to work through right now, but if he's your quarterback next year or in the quarterback room, okay, if he's here, he's your quarterback. If he's your quarterback <laughs> next year, do you feel better about the season? And is he, and also, and I'm bloating the question here, between the draft and between the current free agency prospects, is he th- the best possible solution for the Bears to kind of find a way to make that happen? Whew. Uh, big questions there, Will. Um, so I th- with him at quarterback, like I see people saying like the Bears automatically become Super Bowl contenders. I, I just can't. You know, I can't quite get on that that hype train. Uh, Derek Carr is a good QB, um, but he's not great, and he's not like you said the worst. But I think it from what Mitch Trubisky played like last season, it's an upgrade. That Mitch Trubisky, um, and even the 20, 2018 version, I would say it's it's a bit of an upgrade. And you can win with you know a in the middle of the pack kind of quarterback that as long as he just doesn't turn the ball over, I think it would be fine. But I, I think it, it does create some new excitement for the season, right? If people are still down about Trubisky and how 2019 ended, having a new quarterback just kind of brings a whole new dynamic to the whole season, really. So it would be interesting. I'm not quite on the level of like, okay, you have Derek Carr. Bears are automatically Super Bowl contenders. You look in the NFC, just it's the NFC alone. Three teams had a 13-3 and record, the Packers, 49ers, and Saints. That is quite a jump to get into that competitive area just with a Derek Carr, and they have a bunch of other positions to fill, so that's a lot to ask. Um, but it would it would bring a nice little flair to the season, I would say, because you would, Mitch Trubisky would – not be the quarterback probably wouldn't even be on the team if you bring in a Derek Carr I think you're looking to possibly trade him and now you just you're set on you're set on Derek Carr this is where the Bears are going and then you kind of have to see how that plays out but it would be really interesting it would be it really would be uh would you say he would be the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with yeah, it, it would be. That's, I mean, you know, getting Allen Robinson a competent quarterback, that would be huge because he puts up fantastic numbers already. But someone that, like a Derek Carr, and a lot of, you know, I did a lot of research on this. Well, I might as well put it out here because we're talking about the offseason. Derek Carr, there's a lot of, um, I think, the big critique, he's the check down king, right? And, you know, for the most part, it kind of is true. According to Next Gen Stats, he had the second lowest intended air yards last season and that's just the average yards a passer throws on all attempts uh 6.3 number one though was teddy bridgewater and a lot of bears fans were talking we need teddy bridgewater the money's probably wouldn't um factor in there but just because you don't throw the ball deep doesn't mean you're necessarily a bad quarterback number three on that list of intended air yards is Jimmy Garoppolo. Number four is Drew Brees. There's good quarterbacks that don't necessarily throw the ball the furthest, but they can still get the job done. And Derek Carr's 54 explosive plays in 2019, one, that's more than the entire Bears team had last season, and also Trubisky at 35. It's all about if you can make big explosive plays, that changes – you know, in offense, just getting down the field a little bit faster, more efficiently and not having to dink and dunk. But it, there's a lot of factors into it. I would be I'd be open to the idea. I really would. I want to I haven't done as much draft homework on the quarterbacks, but Derek Carr is a, a guy that maybe people should if you haven't really looked into him, 
Maybe you should. I mean, you know what you're going to get out of them. And I think that's, you know, the consistency and the understanding and the knowing what you have at the position instead of the complete opposite is comfort. You find there's comfort in, you know, consistency. So that's an idea as well. And, you know, when you talked about him not pushing the ball so far downfield, I couldn't name you one receiver on that Raiders roster right now from last year, like off the top of my head. Uh, Williams is uh, the last name. I can't think of Terrell Williams. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm making, maybe I just made up a player, but uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of hard De- Delaney Walker. Uh, yeah. I'm not even going to, not even going to go. I know Antonio, he is a tight end. He's a, he's a good tight end. I know Antonio Brown was supposed to be there. <laughs> supposed to. Yeah. We're not, it's the all season next, but we're not going down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> True. All right. And then also, uh, you were talking to me about some barbershop stories. Any barbershop stories you wanted to share on the podcast? Because these may kind of <laughs> coincide. Yeah. So, um, and I completely forgot about these stories. This um, my, well, last time I went to Funk's Barbershop, the day after I went on my little mini vacation to Mexico. But the last time I was there, my barber was just telling me, we always talk bears. I mean, that's what you do at the barbershop there. Uh, and I forgot how the conversation ended up going to Taylor Gabriel. But I I remember just saying, like, there's a good chance that he's probably now with the Bears next season. And then my barber who cuts his hair, a lot of the Bears players' hairs, um, he's like, well, yeah, he's uh, he was definitely dealing with injuries. And the big thing with him, that concussion that he sustained really affected him. He was kind of telling me that Taylor Gabriel felt this pressure to go out there and play even though he was hurt. And that obviously is just not a good combination. And he said after he would run routes, he would just – his vision would be hazy. And he knew right when that happened he had to take himself off the field and then the Bears kind of shut him down. But it was just interesting that players feel it's, – it's, again, it's interesting, but it's not. But they feel this this need to really perform for their city, perform for their fans, but they're risking their own health in the process. So – Again, very interesting conversation. Didn't think uh, that would come up. And then also, Mitch Trubisky, he was there the day before I went. We are, we're usually like a day within each other when we go get our haircuts. Never met up on the same day. But he was just telling me, yeah, Mitch Mitch was acting pretty weird. Um, it's been happening ever since you know the season kind of went downhill. And you know it's, it's happening in the offseason now. So... Again, you could take that for what you want. I'm, I'm probably very just disappointed in, in himself. But again, that's just uh, more uh, barber talk, more offseason talk. Doesn't mean he's going to play bad next season. Doesn't mean he's going to be on the Like, there's all these things. But yeah, those are like the two stories that I completely forgot about uh, that I, you know, I thought would be interesting sharing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Gabriel pain, playing through pain. I mean, we saw that. He was dinged throughout most of the season. But finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Uh, the, we knew the concussion was bothering him because of how long he was out with it. Uh, so to hear about, you know, hazy vision or things like that, you just hope he kind of can get that right. Anytime you mess with the brain and head injuries, it's 
real scary stuff, and that obviously takes precedence, and that's a top priority for Gabriel. Um, but it could be a reason why the Bears need to move on from him. Uh, on top of this, if it's you know going to be a long-standing issue, and health is a concern, and obviously when it comes to Mitch, and if he's being a little weird getting his hair cut and you know a little bit different. I'm sure weird means he's a little bit more reserved, a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, into him, not into himself, but just kind of like checked out a little bit or just like a little bit deep into thought and not the same go lucky Mitch we we're seeing last summer, you know, dressing up as Jim McMahon and, you know, shaving and trimming people's beards at the Beards 100 convention. <laughs> you know, that could be a sign of, you know, where he's at mentally as well. And I know it's, you're just talking to your barber, but it is, you know, firsthand a source in a way of kind of hearing a little bit about Mitch outside the house hall and in his real day to day. And, you know, you can take it for what it is, but it is something that kind of sticks with me a little bit. Maybe he knows uh, that it's on him and he feels bad. This is like Gabriel. He wants to perform for himself in the city. So it's interesting uh, stories there, Nick. So you definitely have to keep going to get your hair cut. Yes. It's uh, you just, uh, you're going to pay for him. Will, and I think that's, uh, that's how we can make this work here. Punks is expensive, man. They're oh. really good haircuts. For but those listening here live on YouTube, please send a donation here <laughs> in the chat for Nick so we can go get his haircut at Funks to go get some more. In nice the little fade. There we go. Nick wants that fade or buy us dinner the, uh, from the, at the Combine as well for one of these nights. That, that'd be kind of cool, just throwing that out there. But anyway, speaking of the Combine, combine as you know, uh, we did receive credentials for it this year. So unlike years past, uh, we, have, we didn't go last year, but we went the previous two or three seasons. Uh, this year we're actually going to be able to give you not just our takeaways in the stands, just watching workouts from the fans, I mean as fans from the stands, but we're going to be able to – actually get access and you know talk to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace next Tuesday and hopefully some more Bears coaches and some of these players some of these prospects and you know ask them questions more importantly ask them if they've been interviewed by the Bears and if they're showing interest and try to get some good information out of them but Nick what are you looking forward to at the combine I think we know what positions to watch uh, tight end being one offensive line being another edge the secondary quarterback i mean the list is bigger than probably i think both of i were hoping you know a year ago at this point um but do you have any specific players that you wanted to kind of talk to an interview i know we're both excited to rub some elbows with the guys on the beat but uh, what are you gonna be excited for and paying attention to next week um so there's a lot of things i mean from players like i want to get in touch again with bryson hopkins from purdue just to see again what his process has been like from the senior bowl when i last talked to him to now the combine just his approach what he's been doing to kind of prepare for this and then also on the other end i just want to gain as much intel as possible talking with coaches talking with scouts that will definitely be there just there's going to be a lot of knowledgeable people there will and now that we are credentialed this this is our opportunity to kind of just one, just be a little bit nosy, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Just going and asking around people, what are you hearing? Uh, again, prospects have the Bears talk to you, so I just want to gain as much knowledge as possible, be able to share that, you know, share what we can with uh, our audience here, and then again, be able to produce podcasts, write articles on whatever we find. But yeah, it's more than just interviewing the players and watching them, you know, run the 40 yard dash things. That's great. It's more so about the, the little connections and networking that's going to go on and the information you could take from that. So really excited about that. Indianapolis downtown. I, I mean, we went for dinner at one of the places one time, but I don't think we've ever been like downtown, downtown at like nighttime. So that's going to be fun in itself. They're going to be long days, but I'm just looking forward to everything that the combine is going to bring to us next week. 
Well, quit talking up downtown Indianapolis. It's not that great. <laughs> Number one. Oh. I mean, it's, yes, we went to the old spaghetti factory, Nick. It was a really good time. Oh. We got ice cream. Mm-hmm. We had a beer. It was a real in pasta. It was a really uh, good time. Much needed food that day, if I recall correctly. But yeah, it's going to be a really good time. I think you forgot. I went to IPY my first year. So like my whole freshman year of college, I was downtown Indianapolis. So. I'm your guy. Maybe you don't like it, but it's new for me. I'm excited about it. How do you go? It's Big Ten campus, you know. It's like you oh. you sneeze and you're from east side to west side, and you're like, oh, I'm already out of downtown. It's like three blocks. Hey, I was in Iowa City. I mean, you know, it's like same kind of deal, but it's still a good time. We'll make I'll make it a good time if anything. So it'll it'll be fun. The best part is you coming down to Bloomington for a couple of nights, and that's where I can start showing you, you know, the college town. That's where it's at. That's true. We'll have fun there, too. <laughs> I don't know if I can add anything that you brought up, though, in terms of like what to pay attention to and what to be excited for. I mean, I got the lapel mics for us to throw on our shirts and, you know, we can have two going at one time. So we can do some, you know, live reports right there with some OK microphones. Not going to be the best microphones, but we don't have the budget to go crazy all out uh, for some of these. But. Yeah, I'm excited just to see what we're going to do because as of right now, we don't have much of a uh, an official plan, but I think we both are brainstorming a lot of ideas that we kind of want to work through. And for me, I think I'm excited mostly to ask, you know, Nagy and Pace a question and actually have an opportunity to do so. Yeah. We met him once and it was more of like a two second, hey, how are you? Would you take a photo with us? Because we're still fans, so we can do that. But now as media, it's a little bit different. And being surrounded by... You know, the Rich Campbells, the Adam Johns, the Kevin Fishbanes, you know, taking our turn and somewhere in that rotation, finding that spot, finding the right questions. I already have a Google Doc and I'm excited about a few of mine. I'm going to hold them until we go offline because I have a really interesting one that I don't think anyone's even talked about yet. Uh, so we have a little, uh, I think I'm ahead of the curve here on one item, but uh, stay tuned because plenty of information coming our way. Who knows? Maybe we can live stream the Bears press conference off one of our phones straight here onto YouTube as well. I don't know about the rules yet, so we have to find out. We need to get a. We did get we did get a document. Uh, I got I one. A little bit. Of, I saw a little bit of a doc. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we're gonna be able to do that. But I, again, I read it in class, kind of. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll find. We'll figure it out. I haven't been in my Chicago Audible email just yet today as well. So we'll we'll get this going. But real quick, we have some fan questions to get to. But I did bring over a segment from last uh, this time last year, Nick. I have three Bears players currently on the team. I want to give you their combine measurables, and I want you to guess who they are just by that. And I'm not. Last year I did height and weight, which I think made it way too easy, so I'm getting rid of that. So we're just doing straight up okay. results on some of these tests. So first up, you have a 4.7340. This player got 20 reps on the bench, had a 35.5 inch vertical, a 121 inch broad jump, and a 6.9 second three cone drill. Oh man, four seven three. Oh, man. What, who is this, Will? How many did he get? 20 on the bench for us? Yep, 20 on the bench. 35.5-inch vert. Why am I thinking it's Roquan Smith? It's not Roquan. At a 4.73? Yeah, no. Yeah, that's what really threw me off. Um, Good. I tried to make these a little bit more difficult. I, I have don't know. Give who is name. it? Give me a name. I just I just did. Roquan's it was way up. Yes, it is way um, up. Who runs that slow? I got nothing. Ben Bronick. Who? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I told you I made these difficult. Next one. You have a 50840. Okay. 
This should help you. That okay. one should help you. A 50840. Only 16 bench press reps, 110 inch broad, 7.32 three cone, which was the best at his position, and a 4.58 second 20 yard shuttle. <laughs> I think taking out the height and weight is just. Good. I am just Good. I am completely in left a field. Five second forty, you should at least limit it you should be able to hammer it down to at least a position. It's another tight end. <laughs> a really oh, slow God, one. I hope not. It's not. Is it offense or defense? Offense, Nick. Okay. It's James Daniels. Ooh, Cody Whitehair. Good guess. Oh, wow. They show his measurables at Bears Fit every day. And obviously, I do not pay <laughs> you attention. You don't pay attention. Yeah, the blinders are up, Nick. Last one for you. Here, I'll help you. This person's on defense. Okay, only defensive player you got okay. here. 4.4940, only 12 reps on the bench, 38.5-inch vertical, 128 inches in a broad jump, which is the best at this position, a 6.93 comb, and a 4.19-second 20-yard shuttle. What was the 40 again? 449. Ooh, 449. Uh, it's a DB. It's a DB, and it's Dion Bush. Ooh, close. No, not really. Cal Fuller. Yay! Ah, dang it. Okay. Yeah, so I am terrible at that. Miserably. Miserably. Here's the point. None of those things matter once they're in the league. No, yeah, and that's... Uh, that's the thing uh, on the radio show that I was uh, I host at DePaul. Um, it's like all these drills. Yes, they're great if they do well in them, but it shouldn't change anybody's opinion on the football player that they are. The tape that they've already shown you, but yeah, like again, the fastest guy doesn't mean he's going to be the most successful. We've seen that many, many times from players over the years. So yeah, but it is nice to have those attributes for sure. All right. Well, I do have about seven or so questions here that were submitted before the show from uh, listeners. Ready to kind of jump in? Let's do it. All right. First one is from Super Super Hippo. Oh my gosh! Start again, Will. Super Hippo ninety five on YouTube. It's a simple yet complicated uh, question. I love those. Uh, is Allen Robinson the best wide receiver in Bears history, Nick? Okay. No, he's not yet. He, he obviously look only being two seasons and he's still got some time to be the best wide receiver. I think he's definitely the most talented in terms of all the routes that he can run, how good he is at the position, just the professional that he is. He will get there. Um, he's still got a long way to go to catch Walter Payton's uh, reception, who is the reception leader with 492. He has 100. Allen Robinson has 153 at this point. But when it all comes said and done, once the Bears extend his contract, and he, you know, accumulates those stats, those accolades, then he will be the best. But at this moment right now, no. Do you know who statistically is the most productive Bears receiver in history? I do not. Alshon Jeffrey. Wow. Alshon Jeffrey. Tom Waddle? No, I'm just kidding. Which is his birthday today, so happy birthday, Tom Waddle. Yeah. Tom Waddle. <laughs> yeah. Every time I'm, you know, driving home, I hear that. <laughs> I miss ESPN sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> not, not all the time, but just sometimes. That's interesting. 
All right, uh, next question on YouTube came from Daniel Evans. Oh, real quick, I forgot to chime in. No, he's not the best wide receiver in Bears history. Uh, he has some room to grow. I would put him ahead of like a Marcus Robinson, who's been noted as like one of the better ones, and like a Willie Galt. But yeah, still room uh, to go. But he's on, you know, if you got a quarterback that's more consistent and he stays around, I mean, talent wise, he definitely has all the tools to kind of make that thing happen. But getting back to the next question, Daniel Evans from YouTube. Should the Bears really draft best player uh, for their first two picks instead of going by need? I want to start off by saying this is a great question because every year I think we kind of hit the BPA approach. But this year, I don't know. It almost feels like you should maybe try to fill holes with those first two picks if you feel that you are very close and you're just missing a couple of additional pieces. Obviously, there's no need to go crazy, you know, reach out and leaps and bounds away just to go get a position of need. But I think there should be quality players available when they pick at the areas of need, like offensive line, outside linebacker, for example, quarterback, if they wanted to go that route. So they don't need to stretch by any means. I don't, I don't know if it would be not truly BPA, but I do think they should attack some of these holes in that second round. How about you? Are you going strictly BPA, or are you going to try to balance that with current need? I think there needs to be some kind of balance. The Bears' approach with since Ryan Pace has gotten here has been to go that BPA route, and you see a lot of their first-round picks have you know not been very successful. And look, they've been areas of need, and maybe they – have been the best player available. Very, you know, obviously we can look back at it now at the quarterback position in 2017, and obviously that wasn't the case. But there should be a, there should be some kind of balance. You don't want to overdraft for a position just because you absolutely need it. You could find value later, and maybe free agency dictates you know exactly what's going to happen there as well. So um, it is interesting. I think where the Bears are slide to pick in that second round, 43 and 50. They should get some quality players that also happen to fit a need. I know a lot of people are not very high on the tight ends in this draft where the Bears are selecting. It's a little too high. But if there is that tight end that they like and is a, obviously it's a position of need, I'm taking the best available tight end. That's just my um, my approach if the Bears were to you know go about that um, for with the 43 or the 50th pick. And I've already expressed my my liking for Bryson Hopkins. So if he's there, I'm taking him with one of those two picks. Yeah, that's interesting. I wouldn't be opposed if they went off into line again. I think we've had, you know, even though James Daniels and uh, Cody Whitehair had a little bit of a down year, which didn't get an entire offense did, they are pretty good linemen, and finding them in the second round seems to be a good fit here for the Bears. And then also outside linebacker, Edge, someone else that can crash that other side opposite of Cleo Mack. If you can fill both of those in the second round, you help out the trenches on both sides, throw back to Brandon uh, to kind of assist things here. I think that would be a good route as well. But no, you just don't go BPA. You don't go out there and draft a cornerback in the second round this year. You just don't go do, oh, corner. No, like, mm-hmm. about Prince yeah. like, well, maybe. <laughs> but, like, you don't go out there and draft a nose tackle. How about that? You don't try to replace Eddie Goldman with, like, your second-round pick or uh, anything of that nature. But moving on to the next question here from Brian Gonzalez, submitted here on YouTube as well. He wants to know our thoughts on a Tony Jefferson and Eddie Jackson backfield. Or, uh, he had two questions here, uh, Floyd in the fourth for Derek Carr. I don't think Floyd in the fourth is going to get you Derek Carr right now. So that's where I'm at there. But in terms of Tony Jefferson, who was uh, recently cut by the Ravens, uh, would he be a good counterpart? I know he just, uh, some concerns around his ACL that he tore, but I think he could be relatively cheap. And, you know, he has that strong safety mold, which that is someone that we've been trying to identify for this defense so far. 
You know what? It'd be interesting with Tony Jefferson at 28 years old, coming off an ACL injury. He did sign a four-year, $34 million contract in 2017. So I don't know if he would be the like the cheapest. Or obviously, the Bears shouldn't go with the cheapest option, right? They shouldn't do that. <laughs> go with the but guy. yeah, but they might. He might just be just a little bit too expensive to. No, I don't know. I, don't know. I think that ACL is going to drive that price down because I mean, how it could the leverage is on the teams. Like yeah, you know, the history of ACLs are it's hit or miss, and we're willing to give you three million a year. And I know he signed it a couple years ago. He's someone else that the cap hit was just too much for the Ravens to swallow with given the ACL. So teams can use that and say, well, the Ravens didn't want to pay you that much. I'll give you half or I'll give you, you know, 45%. And at that rate, maybe that's an option because I think you can use that ACL unless he gets some raving medicals. Like it's, you know, 100% chance he's going to be back to, you know, full strength. I think you can use that as leverage to drive the price down a little bit. You could. I mean, players players now just come come back from ACLs a lot more efficiently than they have in years past. But whatever it is, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know what a contract would look like. It would just be I would, it's a good amount of money that's going to be invested in the safety position. I would say pass on that one. And then the Floyd and fourth round for Carr. If you trade Floyd, which I don't think the Bears are going to do, I think they will end up keeping him. You're just creating another. Yes, you, you get uh, a position filled with quarterback, with Derek Carr, but now edge rusher becomes a premium, or a premium, premium, that's the same word, premium position for, to get in the draft. Like, And you're not expecting whatever guy you do draft to be as good as Floyd. I mean, look, Floyd has his limitations uh, rushing the quarterback, but he's still a solid football player, and whoever you're drafting in the second round probably is not going to be able to be as effective as Floyd even though he hasn't been that effective over the years so it creates another hole on a team so I wouldn't do that either I don't think the, I don't think the Raiders would take that I don't think you get Floyd in a, yeah maybe Floyd in a, one of our seconds and then maybe they'd buy it but I wouldn't do that either but it's an interesting idea in theory but then like you said you're fixing one creating another granted I think you can if they did that somehow and they found a way to double dip at the uh, you know the edge position either early on in the draft and then free agency. Then maybe you can combat it. But I don't know if the Raiders would bite at a Floyd and a fourth. All right, moving on. I got some questions here from Twitter. The first one comes from David Holden. He is from the UK. Just wanted to point that out. He wants to know who do we think on the Bears' current roster could be a surprise breakout star next year. I don't know if he means on this team. I don't know if he means in the league. So you can take this any way you want. Uh, for me, I'm looking at David Montgomery, your guy, Nick. I think he can be a breakout star next year if you recalibrate this offensive line. And obviously you give him more opportunities, but you need to have an offensive line first. So I think he has the potential. We saw it in spurts, but I think if you can give him a line, he can be a very productive, fun running back to watch in this league. So he'd be someone I can think can break out more on a national level. Heck, even here in Chicago, it was an underwhelming rookie year. I think we know that it wasn't particularly just his fault, but I think he has potential to become, you know, a breakout star next season. Uh, you know, former third-round pick entering his second year, getting his groove and his footing in the NFL. I think there's a lot of promise there for David Montgomery. How about you? You know, another guy that definitely, no doubt, has potential, Will, is Anthony Miller. It's just, can he stay healthy and can he have a quarterback that can hit him when he's open? Because usually if you, you put on the film with Anthony Miller, he does a great job of creating separation, no doubt about that. But it's one, can he stay healthy? Obviously recovering from another shoulder surgery 
And then the quarterback position, that's actually going to get him the ball. So that's a guy that I would think has all the potential in the world. He really does. And he's, I think, he, I think he'll end up being a good receiver. It's just how available is he going to be and who's throwing him the football consistently enough to where he's actually going to produce the numbers that I know he's capable of. But that's definitely a guy that I would think could be, you know, a breakout star. Do you think Wims or Ridley are, you know, potential players? It's, to me, it's still too far of a stretch to sit here on the show and say, you know, damn it, Riley Ridley's going to have 50 catches next year and 10 touchdowns. I mean, we saw him on the field rarely last year, just a handful of snaps. So it's hard to really gauge that. Um, but do you have any – I mean, I think we all hope they break out. We want everyone to break out. But do you have any I, I, confidence, is going to be the word here, that they could uh, until, you know, until you actually see it? Uh, I'm right now for each of them. I think we've seen more out of Wims than Ridley, but I still need to see more out of Wims, and I just need to see Ridley in general before I can kind of put them in this category. Yeah, I wouldn't say breakout star. I would maybe say contributors. Yeah, combine both those guys. Their stats are definitely contributors whose offense are actually making an impact, but definitely wouldn't say breakout stars for either one of them. Even, even if you do bring, let's say, Derek Carr in, there's no way that these guys' numbers are going to be you know, drastically different than what they were in 2019, but contributors for sure. Is there anyone on defense we can point to? I really sat here for you know in preparations looking at this question, and I was like, defense is tough. I got one if he stays healthy again, because I think this is what limited him. Bilal Nichols, I think, has that potential. I really do. He has all the intangibles, shows good traits for a young defensive lineman. But that hand injury that he sustained early in season really affected him throughout the entirety of 2019. But that's a guy that I would watch out for now heading into year three. Let's see what he can actually do hopefully, you know, being able to come into the season healthy, fully recovered, because I think he has, again, all the potential to be a good player. Good player's not breakout star, Nick. Breakout, whatever. <laughs> okay, I just had to make sure. I For me, on defense, the only one I can think of is Roquan Smith, because I don't think he is a star in this league yet. He's been a very good inside linebacker. I know he has to get through that pec injury, but maybe he can reach that star status in the league where he is – you know, known as one of the best inside linebackers right now, because uh, they talk about him on you know national broadcasts. Like, oh yeah, Roquan Smith, he's very good. But like, it'd be awesome if he's on you know in the same conversation as a Khalil Mack. Not to the same degree, obviously. A, they play different positions, and Khalil Mack's on an elite level. But if you can get Roquan Smith to like an All Pro type of level, uh, and I think he has the potential. I think he just has to get his head on straight and also stay healthy. Uh, that may be someone on defense that can kind of reach the next echelon, uh, I think that's the right word, of star status right here in Chicago. All right, so a couple of people asked on multiple platforms here, and I'm just going to paraphrase these questions because they all mean the same thing. But Nick, why should we care about this upcoming season at all? Again, it's another. there's so many times where teams don't make the playoffs one season and then they come jump back right into the mix of things. And there's, I think, obviously the NFC is very competitive. But you have to see what, well, what are the Bears going to do at the quarterback position? Who are they bringing in to fill some of these holes? This is still, at the core of things, a good football team. But they just need to address these issues. And why should we care? I mean, we do it regardless of what the team does the previous season. Everyone always cares about the football season. Um but Derek Carr might be a reason why you should care about 2020. 
Maybe. This reminds me of the early years here uh, when we had a different branding. We were uh, brothers who liked the Bears, and I used to do a series of posts every like July and June of you know top 10 reasons to give a damn about the Bears in that season. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what it reminded me of, but um, obviously I think we are closer to at least being uh, you know, in the playoff mix, especially now, <laughs> you have an extra opportunity to get in. Uh, the Bears just need to kind of recalibrate. And still, I think we're better than the teams of, you know, the mid-2010s, light years ahead where we were under Tresman and Fox, and things are better. I think we got spoiled from 2018 and got, you know, oh, this is going to be the new normal. And we had a little bit of a reality check in 2019, and hopefully, and that's why you have to tune in in 2020, is to see if we can take that reality check, learn from it, and get back to uh, in a level where they were in 2018. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. And of course, if you want to, we can talk about specific players and watching them grow and develop. And by the time they draft a rookie class and a free and draft and bring in a free agency class, I mean buzz will happen. It's even if it's a modest free agency class, it's gonna you know generate some sort of excitement back around this franchise. All right, so we have a couple more questions here to wrap up the show, Nick. Uh, the first one. Um, there's just a lot of inquiries on quarterback situations. No surprise. I know people have been asking us to kind of talk about it on this show. Uh, do you have any early favorites on your radar, either for agency or draft or trade uh, for the quarterback position? At this point, again, it's so early in the whole conversation. You don't even know who's going to be available um, and how much they're going to cost and how much the Bears are willing to shell out and all those kind of other fine details. But who is on your early you know, wish list? You know, early, uh, maybe just radar, not uh, not that I want these guys, but Jake Fromm from Georgia looking at the draft now okay, yes, is an interesting pro- Yes, that was on my list too. So I got really excited because Jake Fromm, like you said, out of Georgia, are you going to at least point out the Riley Ridley-Javon Wims connection? Because that was the big one. I was like, maybe that was the plan all along. I mean, he's the guy that helped him get drafted. Hey, yeah, very hey. true. I, I wasn't actually even going to go there. I was actually listening to if if you guys don't listen to the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, they talk they they are great analysis. They provide great analysis, but they were talking about Jake Fromm and the comparison, which was kind of interesting. And I don't know if this is going to deter people from actually watching Jake Fromm film. Is that he Daniel Jeremiah said Jake Fromm is a quote souped up Chase Daniel, and I'm like. Interesting. I know I've watched a couple of games of Jake Fromm, but when he said that comparison, I'm like, okay, I could see that. And we we talked about it when Chase Daniel went to games. There was a comfortability, right? He knows the offense. He knows where to go with it. He may just not have the ability to get the ball in the right you know spot or have that arm strength, but Jake Fromm does. So that was an interesting, uh, I guess, comparison. And now once I have the opportunity to kind of go watch more of his film, I want to see if that kind of comes to comes to fruition to see if that's what I kind of see as well. But that's a guy. And then also we talked about him earlier. Derek Carr is another one of free agency that kind of intrigues me now that this whole Instagram post, you know, fantastic, whatever. It just all happened today. So Derek Carr is another guy I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm excited you brought up Jake Fromm. I mean, there's so many quarterbacks you could have said, and the fact that we had the same one here in our notes. I mean, not that I'm totally surprised, because we're usually along the same lines, but it is interesting to see. And I really do, when I was looking through it, obviously he's not a flashy guy, not the super athletic quarterback, um, but he's a pure pocket passer, and his arm strength isn't elite, but it's good. And I think he can be a capable quarterback. And like I said, 
he has experience with two receivers on this roster. There's no one else out there that can say that right now besides Jake. Not from State Farm, just Jake from. I sorry, I saw I saw that when I was googling Jake from, and then it said Jake from State Farm. Like as I was typing, like that's not right. But no, he has the experience with these guys, and obviously they had success that led to Ridley getting drafted. It led to Wims getting drafted, and who knows? Maybe they can rekindle uh, some of that uh, success they had in college here. In the present, we all know how much Ryan Pace loves Georgia. Let's be clear. He loves drafting people from Georgia. So that's definitely someone on my early radar. You talked about Carr, obviously. And then if you're looking elsewhere, I'm still intrigued by the Marcus Mariota uh, potential scenario. Obviously, he's someone who had a lot of uh, talent coming out of Oregon. He ha- was uh, very praised and someone who I wanted the Bears to draft during uh, you know that year, but we didn't have uh, the draft capital to kind of make that move. I think Ryan Pace was interested in as well in Mariota. And so perhaps he's someone that needs just a change of scenery uh, to kind of get going. He's had okay numbers. He hasn't had the most, you know, eye-popping numbers, but they haven't been terrible by any means. So still, Marcus Mariota is someone who I would definitely be, you know, at least inquiring about if I were the Bears or looking into or keeping him on, you know, the big board of potential options. A lot of routes can go here, but that would be one where if you have a... Of course, Marcus Mariota and a Mitch Trubisky quarterback room. At least you have two guys that could push one another and, you know, hey, let the best man win. So that can be another route to go as well. All right. Last question. And it comes from Brandon, Nick. It comes from Brandon. So we get Brandon back in the show, at least in question form. And it's very typical B fashion, out of left field, doesn't even have anything to do with the game of football. What situation or problem in a TV show or movie did we think would be a common problem in everyday life, but when you grew up, it really wasn't a problem? Do you have one? I would try Like, I saw this question. I'm like, man, what could I – like, what could even fill this answer? But now I have the the Spider-Man bobblehead that you, you gave me. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Um... Or well, actually, we each got one. That was that was a Devin Hester one that uh, you gave me. Uh, I always thought when I was watching Spider Man that if a spider bit me, I would get the powers. And one day, I actually went out, and I, of course, I was younger, and I let it bite me, and <laughs> nothing ended up. I just had a spider bite. I'm like, what? What the hell? <laughs> like this is this is this is bull crap, you know? Uh, so that was that wouldn't have been a problem. Would have been more of like a like a blessing, but. Yeah, I learned that out real quick, that that's not how life works, and I'm pretty disappointed afterwards. Do you have anything? Not nearly as cool as that. Just as a kid, <laughs> I always thought that tax deadline day was going to be a, such a bigger deal than it actually is. I always hear, you know, they always have those shows and stories and on movies of, like, always that crunch time, having to put it in the mail, and I'm glad technology has kind of helped us out where we can do those things here online and submit all electronically. But I always thought there's like one episode of the Simpsons. Where I know Homer like gets it in like right underneath the door at the post office. And I always thought that tax deadline day was going to be like the bane of my existence. And 
<laughs> Texas maybe may be the bane of my existence, but <laughs> the actual deadline day itself uh, wasn't nearly as well. It's serious, but you do them early. You don't wait until the actual day. So don't procrastinate when it comes to your taxes. Uh, life Thanks for the life well. update there. Yeah, right. I still gotta get mine done anyway. But that's <laughs> the point. All right. Anything else from this show? We definitely hit on a lot. I don't think there was a rhyme or reason. Or, okay, there's reasons, but there wasn't a lot of a theme here. We're just kind of like all over the place, which is exciting. That's what February is all about. But uh, anything else you want to discuss? And by God, Nick, if you bring up The Bachelor now after you are good all show, I'm going to have to mute you and just end the broadcast. Um, I am a fan, but there is one thing that I do. I am a fan of The Bachelor. But one thing that everyone should be doing, if if you're not already, we are going to be in Indianapolis for a majority of all next week. So obviously everyone who's listening now, thank you for being here. But if you're not following the Chicago Audible on Twitter, on our Facebook, go do that. Follow my account as well. I'll be live tweeting. We're going to be putting out content, and everyone should be looking forward to that. Because, again, we're credentialed. We are going to be in the mix of everything, and we are very excited. There's going to be a lot of content being produced next week. So make sure you go follow us at the Chicago Audible. Follow my personal account at Nicholas Moriano. We're really excited. And, yeah, just cannot wait, Will. I mean, again, just talking about at the end here, I'm just excited again to get to Indy. Yeah, I'm excited, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Don't worry about following me on social media. I don't use my personal (laughs) anymore. I just live in the Chicago Audible account. Even then, I'm not nearly as active as I used to be in the past. I need to get back up on the socials. But definitely check us out. Like Nick said, plenty of content coming your way. Heck, bookmark chicagoaudible.com if you want to keep up to what we're doing on the website itself. Uh, Just real quickly, too, if you're on YouTube and you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to our channel that we don't miss an episode ever. I think we're 70 subscribers away from 6,000, which would be an amazing goal or milestone for us to hit. And then additionally, I think we're only 45 reviews away in Apple Podcasts, short of 600. And, of course, every time we reach a century mark in our Apple reviews, we always give away a free Bears jersey. Just one, someone who did review the show. So definitely help us out. Uh, reach our goal. Uh, I set 600 by training camp is our goal. So if you can help us out to achieve that, of course, we would definitely reciprocate that and give you a favor by handing out a free Chicago Bears jersey to one lucky listener who reviewed the show. So we'll talk to you all from Indianapolis next week at the NFL Scouting Combine. Nick, have you even packed your bags yet? Oh, God, no. I'll do that literally the night before. Hours before, I'll probably get everything situated. I'm just really, really bad at that. Yeah, Nick's bad at that. He's still flying from Chicago to Indy. He's not even making the trip down I-65. I still don't understand. It's like an hour flight. I'm I'm not going to drive. No way. You got to fly me whenever I'm coming up there next time. But anyway, outside of the point, (laughs) you go pack your bags. I'll get my gear over here ready as well. And like I said, we'll talk to you from Indianapolis. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.